0: Right now, there are hedge funds and financial institutions that can use real-time data and sentiment analysis from social media or from articles and videos in real time in order to potentially make better trading decisions. What does it mean when those same institutions can use real-time satellite information to detect the activities of companies and potentially make trades based on that? Uh, Today, we address some interesting questions about artificial intelligence in the financial markets. Uh, on the Tech Emergence podcast this week, we have Brad Bailey, who's a Research Director of Capital Markets at Cellent, which is a division of Oliver Weinman, uh, where his focus is specifically on emerging trading technologies. Uh, Brad was recently picked up in the BBC speaking about uh, the impact of artificial intelligence on the, uh, the world of trading and finance. And today, we talk a little bit about how AI has sort of had its implications felt in the ways that banks operate, in the kinds of data that hedge funds, even individual investors, have at their hands and maybe what that means uh, for the applications of artificial intelligence in the future. Uh, Towards the end of the interview, I caught Brad a little bit off guard with respect to some particular uh, company uh, references that I thought would be interesting for the audience. He was nice enough to send an email directly after the interview and list a few of the companies and other sort of news releases and events that might be of relevance to this particular domain. So if you're interested in uh, the companies and labs that are, are mentioned in brief in the interview itself, make sure you check out this article on techemergence.com. Otherwise, I hope that you'll enjoy this episode as a business perspective. We've spoken a lot sort of the researcher perspective of AI, but from the perspective of a guy in the securities and investment world um, about what artificial intelligence looks like boots on the ground when it hits the financial markets. Um, so hopefully this will be uh, an, an interesting episode for the folks tuned in. And without further ado, we'll roll right in. So, Brad, where I'd like to start off here um, is in the, the world of, of algorithmic trading. I know that, um, you know, machines doing the trading for people, you know, a thousand times faster than humans can blink. Um, has been going on for quite some time. And, and there have been big companies in New York, New York, where you are, who've hired AI PhDs before you know Google was Google. Um, but that started to sort of bend in the more machine learning direction, as you were telling me off mic. Talk to us a little bit about what you've seen as the shift there, as a guy who's kind of at ground zero in the finance world. What's been going on in
1: that space? Great, uh, great question. So I think if you go back over time, and we look at, say, the U.S. stock market, which most people are aware of, the the market became increasingly electronic. As it became more electronic in this move to digitalization, you saw more and more speed and data output. The first, I'll say the first order, the first level algos were just simple ways of putting orders in. And also on the other side of that, for ways for firms, for market makers, as they're called, for people who are principally trading to make money in, in stocks, to use these tools to really move in a faster way. Now, this has been going on for well over a decade, and as such, you've seen greater and greater ability on both sides to really go into the market and and, and create very fast-moving things. One of the key themes in this evolution has been the speed in which human-based trading has been surpassed, but also how quickly systems that are developed need to change. So if you're looking at the market and all the different data points, that's one thing. Then as time's gone on, and as we've gone, I would say from the big data revolution, and in a sense, what I mean is just this explosion of data you know, market data, open, closed, prices that everyone's familiar with. But what about, as you think about news data, how do you incorporate that into an algorithm? Parsing what news means by a machine. Likewise, you know, as the rise of social media, there's been an amazing ability by many players to think about how do they use that social media feed to, to make trading decisions. So what, as this data explosion has grown, you see more machine learning incorporated. And I would think, I would say by the day now, you are seeing more and more interaction by trading bots in the market that are quickly, you know, we're, we're dealing with in time frames that are in in the millionth and at least the the thousands of a second. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, and you'd mentioned, Brad, I just want to touch on this and see if there's detail here. You know, that now we're pulling in so much more information. I mean, you know, however many decades ago or, or at whatever, whatever time when, um, you know, this process began, I, I can imagine, you know, pulling in Twitter feeds and, and pulling in, uh, you know, what was ranking in Google News may or may not have really been all that relevant and maybe those tools, you know, those, those platforms didn't exist at all. Now they do, um, and and of course you can't program a decision tree to react to every conceivable human treat a tweet uh or or you know response to every tweet and so that's that's impossible. So there, there must be some sort of machine learning going on here. Is it are we able to say whether or not that transition has been tangibly tangibly beneficial. I mean I guess stock trading everybody makes the the joke about you know the monkeys and the dartboards you know the the guys that the guys that hire you know all the PhDs to to integrate a Twitter stream into their millisecond trading decisions. I mean, is this becoming so prevalent that it's a clear advantage? Money's made in the dark, so none of these guys are really you know letting everybody know exactly what they're up to. Is this still experimenting, or are we seeing tangible traction with with these new
1: approaches? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is a, w- a work in progress, and it always is. Oh, yeah. I think. You know, there is an ongoing battle between market participants and they have to be prepared for the changes or you're out of the game. And it's a very simple game in many ways, when you look at it, it's very black and white. There is no gray. If the monkeys can throw darts and, and make money, they'll probably be funded by the company. Yep, yep. Uh, on the other hand, if you have the most sophisticated machines and they're not doing anything, that that's, you know, they're not gonna help. But what, what you've seen again is that that if you're going to different data sets, if you can quickly normalize that data and you can't discount, like all this new data, whether you, you said social media, now we talk about videos, satellite imagery, anything that's a trader or investor could use for an edge is being used. Yeah. And, and in terms of to answer specifically the question, I think you have to look at the market It, it is a series of different players who play in different time frames there's high frequency electronic market makers high frequency traders that are playing in sub second time frames and which means nothing to an investor who might be using ai or machine learning to come up with more fundamental data points looking at satellite data to understand production or you know, yeah crop that's,
0: production. that's nuts huh wow um yeah. Yeah, wild. So, so looking at you know the production of steel, how many trucks are coming out of XYZ factories? You know that, that's that's wild because some of that's public now. So I guess they're able to use it. It's not really insider trading or anything. It's just you know Google Earth.
1: Yeah, Dan, you bring up a great point. I mean, when you think about you know a highly regulated industry and yeah. all the the rules around disclosure. I mean, if you're looking at satellite, and you see what's going at the factory. You might know certain things as quickly or even faster than the management of that company. So it does bring up very interesting issues in the future of how what is not you know what types of knowledge can exist and how that can be used but certainly if you're track if you're using the internet of things to track all types of data sets and this is the type of data explosion we're talking about it's all you know it's you go back to the traditional market data everyone knows and loves and then you think about well IOT you think about RFID coming off of ships or messaging where ships are. All, all this fits into the overall web financing and how people think about value in stocks or other securities.
0: And do you, do you see, Brad, in, in the future kind of looking forward? I mean, you've seen you know, from the past till now and you've you know, been in this space for quite some time. Um, do you see the future basically looking like you know, whether you're a, a hedge fund or, or a traditional bank, um, if you want to be making the most of, of your dollars day to day and utilizing as many nanoseconds in the day as you can that that essentially everyone will be uh, will be looking for more and more sources of information do, do we see like particular sources that, that maybe are becoming uh, um, almost sort of de facto you know is everybody in their mother who's serious utilizing social media is everybody in their mother who's serious looking at, uh, news in real time and popularity of topics uh, via, you know, the Huffington Post and Google News and what have you, are, are there any that, that seem to be becoming staples to a degree to which no one can ignore or are they all still sort of tinkering? You know, I mean, I, machine learning is opening up a lot of new, uh, new floodgates, but are, are there any that you really see kind of tearing open very clearly as kind of paths of the future here?
1: yeah it's it's a great question i constantly wonder if the things that we traditionally call market data that you could find at say yahoo finance would change in the near future and you've seen that to some degree you've seen sentiment analysis around you know product sentiment or sentiment around a company that's generated by likes and dislikes whether in facebook or twitter um i think that various types of investors have used that information in different ways i i think a lot you know, as more in people use it in the market, perhaps the value goes down. So there's constantly this strive for more proprietary data, yeah. more interesting data sets. So I, I think for the individual, it's for them the way they engage with the market. That can also, I think, it you have to look into the people with great resources for thinking about this and how to process it and how to use it but in terms of like what will be a staple of uh, of the future in terms of you know open closed pricing I do think sediment is going to be there I do think that you know people are going to have expectations for their if they're using an outside manager or investor you know, whether it's a mutual fund or a hedge fund they're going to want to know that the teams there are, are you know using every Opportunity, every possible way of leveraging this flow, ongoing explosion of data, and I think that that's you know
0: that's going to be a key point in thinking through how you engage with the market. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting because it seems to me, and maybe it does to you too, that it's it's a stepped up version of of what's what's been done. You know, at, at any given time, whatever becomes available, whatever approaches become possible, there will be oodles of tinkering with it and no one's really going to tell each other what's working. Maybe somehow the trends will sort of evolve and come about, but really it's just going to be a ton of different approaches. And now it just feels like that can of worms, you know, is opened to it to another, you know, just a, a, another huge frontier. And, you know, who, who knows what's actually going to stick as tangibly useful for, for a really long time into the future. I know that this doesn't only affect, um, you know, the individual traders and, and, and you know, maybe the, the the high frequency folks out there, but it also affects the big guys. And you talked to me off mic about the banks. Um, you know, that's a big stodgy world, but they've they've gotta be sort of waking up to some of these trends in terms of how they deal with customers, in terms of how they manage their own money. Um, what have you seen as the trends there? You mentioned that there's a, a bit of kind of a an underlying panic in some of the stodgy banking world. What's that look like? What's that about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, to speak broadly, you know, the fintech disruptors that we've seen in the wake of the financial crisis in 08, the dislocation that caused in the global financial world and the, the regulatory changes, the changes around the capital, how much money banks need to hold. And at the same time, this you know, this broad group of VC investors coming in and funding all types of different things, you've seen the banks and especially banks and the traditional banks where how they engage a customer how they deal with all this data really you know look at fintech as wait a second you know what am i going to do with this and then you've seen you know, that these fintech firms have leveraged technology and data this flow of data to really change some of the fundamentals that we've that were taken for granted by banks and as such you've seen you've seen certain banks you know, partner with fintech firms. You've seen certain banks buy fintech firms. You've seen them you create innovation labs to kind of engage with the client. And where, where you've really seen the first wave of fintech success, financial technology success in banks is how you engage with the customer. Mm-hmm. And you, you've seen this, you know, in the conception of what a market is. You saw this because of capital constraints. You saw this whole rise of P two P. All different types of of lending, you know, and you've seen that grow into a more institutional way. That's been, you know, that's been a technology based endeavor. Now focusing in on, on some of these other banks, the, I think the fear of the banks was, you know, is, is there a competitor out there that has it's not a traditional competitor? Is Google or Facebook or Virgin going to compete with the banks? You know, is a non asset holding technology competitor are going to you know, eat our lunch and disintermediate us. So you've seen a lot of that play out in the last few years. And now in the world where I sit in the, in, in the securities investment of the capital markets, the center of that universe is the investment bank and the broker-dealers and the exchanges in dealing with the security and issuance of securities, stocks. And they there's a next wave of, of automation coming driven by analytics, and then, hence, a lot of tools in AI, machine learning, that are going to take all this data and figure out ways to solve some really tricky, thorny problems in very innovative ways with like with pioneering business models. And I think that is this is a work in progress. Of course, I mean, one just one point, you know, much of the regulatory framework that's set in the U.S. or in Europe or globally and throughout the world. Really does impact you know highly regulated businesses. So slight tweaks in regulation are always an opportunity for the fastest, most nimble players to think of new ways to, to enter the market and satisfy the needs of the customers.
0: And so I I I, uh, I definitely appreciate the backdrop, and, and I think it's it's curious to to uh, to make note of sort of the the influence of you know policy and 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 just you know subtle subtle regulation adjustments or openings. That, that can allow someone to throw an entire business model and a bunch of really smart people and a bunch of money at um, you know being something that keeps the banks up is, is quite quite interesting. Um, you, you know one thing that you'd mentioned first and then I'm, I'm interested in some of your, your thoughts about um, fintech companies or areas that you're excited about but you mentioned how they're interacting with or treating or dealing with customers sort of being a first area for banks. by that do you mean some of the initial areas of innovation for banks here in the AI space, um, broadly, uh, have been in the customer service, whether it be managing call centers or scripts or uh, processing orders or what w- what what facets of customer service have sort of picked up uh, since the crisis, or maybe been facilitated by the technologies we're talking about.
1: Right. Well, you've certainly seen that on the call center, and that's been a trend towards you know more and more. Uh, some, I don't know if we'll call it intelligence yet, but more uh, getting more ability there. But I, I think the overall, it's more in, in terms of the overall engagement with, with customers, especially millennials, you know, you know, people that want, they look at the banking world, they came out of the crisis at a certain age, they, they look at it in a certain way. I think that has caused the banks to think through, like, how are we going to leverage data? How will, you know, this fintech firm go and look and say, we have all this data about the customer. You know, what 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 are the implications for how they they borrow money for their credit? What are the implications for you know how they're going to how they're going to think about wealth management? Whether they're going to engage with you know some of the nascent AI robo advisory wealth management things out there, which are you know it's a, that's a lot of um, asset optimization, but you're seeing more and more. Feeds and more and more information flowing into that from a from a, a nascent machine learning, um, for sure. And at the same time, just the overall from a, you know to satisfy these needs, different types of investors. I think you know as you move and you think about the perspective that millennials have on banking and on their life, on, on even the concept of the retirement. They don't think in those terms necessarily. A lot of surveys show you know thinking in terms of. Particular goals and how to get to them, and you see some of the innovative players in that in the wealth area, investment area, thinking in that mindset. Like, you know, okay, I'm going to create. I need to create this tool and ETF and not, to get this person to their house, or get them to their car, or get them to their dream uh, vacation or the island they want to buy down the road. Um, so there, there, there's a lot of things along there. I think that where you're, you know, where you're seeing the core. Um, some of the core, going back to your initial point, the core, you know, machine learning and hot AI is around, you know, tools for voice generation or, or, you know, natural language processing around creating reports that are fed to different outlets that people read. I think you're, you're seeing a lot of that. Um,
0: are, are there any particular companies, you're mentioning some of the robo-advisor folks, you know, I think some people are probably familiar with uh, wealth front and um, you, you know the other the other various players in that that same sort of space. Um, what are what are some of the other companies that have maybe blipped onto your radar? Whether this be maybe folks who've been uh, sucked up and absorbed by by banks or folks that are maybe taking advantage of those little regulatory sort of holes and loops out there in in the finance world. Um, what are some that have sort of popped on your radar as maybe decent examples of? Of these transitions and disruptions
1: absolutely so my colleague i have a colleague will trout who who covers this space very well he's done a a lot of research around this space and he's looked at the quick you know move from this what people have called a fad at first and then moved into a this evolution where you're you're seeing the big players the charles schwabs acquire you know the, the betterments the motives there's hedgeable there's there's a Hedge there's a bunch place. of there's a bunch of small companies out there, um, and that, that wealth area is you know that's a little outside my normal area where I look at the people yeah. who are creating tools to to trade better to to use you know these the broadly AI to think about the market and to evolve it to that to that next level, and I, I think those what 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 you do find though is a lot, many of the tools that you see evolve in that high-speed world find themselves migrating out to general populations and certainly other types of investors. You always, there's always someone going to be able to move quite quickly. And as we've gotten better at solving some of the real hard, the very hard, and I'm not going to, challenges of what to, getting all this data, it's what to do with it, how to make sense of it. How to, you know, just use this to understand the markets better, to understand fundamentals of the markets and what they call technicals, how price action goes.
0: And I I guess banks, just like the rest of the world, are are in some way, they uh, in some way, like the rest of the world, understands the the import and the shift in this direction. But still scrambling uh, like everyone else is to figure out exactly how that's done from the banks down to the little guys and I suppose it'll be interesting to see uh, what the future holds there. Brad, I, I appreciate you being able to share some of your perspective on sort of the, the, the startup side of things as well as the bigger banks um, and, and shed a little bit of insight here on Tech Emergence. It's been great having you.
1: It's been a pleasure, Dan. I really enjoyed your, your podcast. Thank you.
0: And that wraps up this episode on the Tech Emergence Podcast. Thanks for being here, and remember to subscribe on iTunes to stay on top of the latest news breaks, researcher perspectives, and entrepreneur interviews in artificial intelligence, neurotechnology, and more. And we want to hear from you as well, so be sure to leave a review on iTunes, which are always appreciated, or contact us directly. At infotechemergence.com. At and remember, all of our entrepreneur interviews and interviews with top researchers from around the world, from Stanford to Oxford and beyond, can be found right on our main site at Techemergence.com. Remember to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. So, with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Figella signing off, and I'll see you next week.